Welcome to the Never From Concentrate podcast, number 15. Hello. This is Valentine. And this is Ratchet. We, after taking our obligatory yearly winter break, are back. Is it now an annual thing? I think. Should we just do it as an annual thing so we feel less guilty? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I think last time we we also had the same break, right? It was a month, somewhere in January, February. That's when we failed to write our murder mystery yeah. novel it's... or play or whatever we attempted to do. I think we should just pull the um, Yuval Noah Harari thing and say we go on a 90-day or 60-day meditation retreat. <laughs> Could you do that? No, definitely not now. Could you do the seven-day one? I mean, I could try. Like right now, I'm asking. Like, if, Do you think you could make it all the way through? Like, Would you be stubborn enough? Would you quit at some point? Cause you well, like, what does it mean it? to quit? Just leave and go home. Like, but if someone says like you're not, if they just like shut the door and said you're not no, home. you have it's a, no one's forcing you to stay there. Like, it's a voluntary. No, but what I mean is like it's different than rock climbing where you're like shit, I'm falling. Right, it's literally you're just sitting there, so it might be really unpleasant. But I think quitting is something that's active, whereas like it's an active, and the thing you're doing is passive in a sense, at least physically. And so I think that would make it easier to stay in the same spot. Although I, I don't know, maybe that's actually the wrong way to think about it. I just mean like I think it's easy. It would be easier to quote tough it out, even though you might not get any of the benefits that you should be getting because you're just not going to be meditating you're going to be sitting there and thinking about sports or porn or something would you be able to tough it out is my question yeah like like as in physically i would still be in the same spot i might not be meditating by any sense of right like, so you would be stubborn enough i think so right now that you would be like i'm just going to stay here until the seven days are over even though I'm going insane right now in my mind, as in that I can't focus on anything and my mind's wandering and I want to leave. Or and you you don't eat much when you're there too either. Like they're like just minim- it's very minimalistic uh, all the way through. Don't they differ? I feel like there's some that are just just feed you grapes every day. <laughs> Exotically feeding you grapes yeah. like you're a little baby it's, bird. It's the Xerxes of the meditation retreat, like the Xerxes, <laughs> the one that Xerxes goes to. What's that? Is that Greek? From 300, remember? They had the, oh, like, right, the god. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, the Persian. Persian god. Yeah, um, Yeah. so we're back. And uh, we talked about charity in our last four posts. Um, and I think when we first chose this topic, Ratchet, you told me that you wanted to get your thoughts in order. Or at least you wanted to talk about it because you had uh, some conflicting thoughts, which I think are... Uh, well summarized by this uh, quote from an author that I've been reading recently. And I'll just read the quote. So, quote, Philanthropy is almost the only virtue which is sufficiently appreciated by mankind. Nay, it is greatly overrated, and it is our selfishness which overrates it. End quote. So that's a quote by Henry David Thoreau um, from a book called Walden, or His Time in the Woods, um, who's... I've been getting more into this guy because he's like, I think you'll really like him. He was one of the, he went to Harvard and then decided that a lot of um, 19th century 
uh, New England society wasn't for him, so he just lived like a really simple life in a shack in the woods and wrote about it. Mm-hmm. And he's also one of the first people to advocate for... Uh, um, what was it? I don't want to screw it up. Was it emancipation? Anyways, he had a lot of um, progressive ideas about these types of things. And uh, anyway, so this quote about philanthropy, and I think this is this is like a good summary of, of the two sides of it. On one side, um, obviously, it's what, what's wrong with literally loving mankind, uh, philanthropy. But I guess the thing that we were discussing is how do we do that or what's the best way to do that and does it make sense to do something like um, that, something that's more quantifiable and something that you can point to a particular number and be happy or is it more complicated than that specifically with regards to quote what do you what does it what does he mean or what do you think he means by our selfishness overrated. which overrates it is it a selfishness to the human species specifically and not like all of nature or is it a selfishness that when you do a good act it feels really good and uh regarding people who do those good acts is also um, an easy pedestal to create i guess if i don't know if that entirely makes sense but um yeah i mean okay so here let me read this other thing um another follow-up to that so he says, I would not subtract anything from the praise that is due to philanthropy, but merely demand justice for all who by their lives and works are a blessing to mankind. So I think, I mean, the way I read this is that it's like, it's an easy, you can't, you don't want to fall into the trap of um, doing something good like that's very visible and then spending the rest of your time not giving a shit about anything else or like there, there needs to be more of, as he calls it justice um, in the sense that you, you need to look at your entire life and, and think about how best you can benefit mankind, not just um, maybe give some sort of monetary amount to some charity and be like, okay, I'm, I'm great. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's it's more of a – I think he's arguing for like think about how you as a person and with your life, how do you best impact society in a positive way rather than just saying, well, I can do whatever whatever I want or whatever puts food on the table and then also if I have extra, donate it to other people. I think he's arguing for that sort of subtlety there. Mm-hmm. And I think this is so. This was he was read by a lot of people, and I think in the in the the like hippie era was a lot of people read him. Um, and I th- I'm pretty sure uh, Steve Jobs was really influenced by this, and it's one of the reasons. Now I can't. We should do some more research on this, but uh, it. I know he's read Jobs read thorough because I, th- I remember his, uh, that being his uh, biography, and. Uh, Jobs has, I mean, a lot of people have criticized him during his lifetime for not doing anything, unlike Bill Gates, right? For, for charity and for philanthropy. And I think the main argument, if he was still alive, Jobs would say is that uh, his time is better spent creating these great products rather than sort of doing other things as a, because he has a platform. I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, 
the question I think underlying that is that is there a duty or a responsibility that you have to other people beyond just yourself? And how does that translate for you as an individual with your limitations and your capabilities and you as a citizen of society and a like in our society a uh, voter that gives taxes and some some of your wealth or your voice to a government that should be handling some of this responsibility or duty so the answer to that i think lies uh like specifically with how jobs are thorough or so sorry i just looked it up i don't think jobs there's any actually documented link between the two but let's just say that um definitely jobs did not uh that was one of the main hits against them. Was right, like why, why aren't you doing more stuff like Bill Gates? And so, um, to me, the I probably just made that connection in my head. But sorry, go on. Yeah, so it's answering that that question: uh, Is there a inherent responsibility or duty you have to your fellow man beyond, I guess, the obvious selfish interests that you have, uh, kind of hardwired hardwired into you of your family and friends, because. There is a kinship that uh, you have with them. There are mutual benefits to keep their health and well-being uh, in mind. So answering that question, I think, is probably a good starting point. Uh, do you have a responsibility to take care of your fellow men? And not just necessarily your fellow men. Uh, I guess you know we, we talked about vegetarianism as our first topic. Um, your fellow your, sentient beings your fellow sentient beings and to be progressively uh, prognosticating what's going to happen in the future uh, your fellow computer sentient beings right so how would you answer that um, like as in terms of what the balance is well, what do, do you think there is a responsibility like on for a personal like for everybody to like be able to like find the right karmic balance whatever well is that the answer so you're saying that there is every person um, who has the capacity beyond just their selfish interests should care for the rights and um, the well-being of other sentient beings Let's start with just humankind. Yeah, I mean, yes, I think it's always tough answering should, right? Should questions, like normative questions, um, because you feel very aggressive. It's almost like, like, right, like, you, damn it, you do it, right? So I always think of it as, like, in which society would I want to live? So if you create this rule... Does, would this, does this create – if everyone somehow – you flip a switch and everyone follows it, does this create some place that you want to live? And I think, yeah, that's definitely a place I want to live. So, yeah, I think people should. So there is – it's based on the perceived happiness of a prospective society, not necessarily some underlying 
deontological rule or responsibility or duty that people have to each other? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of take your point there. I, I think it's, to me, I'm still more relativist than that. Like, I, I don't think, because deontological in the sense that, like, this is something that I think is some eternal truth or, or whatever. It's some binding law that needs to be followed no matter what. I, no, I don't think of it that way. So I think, um... Can you be lightly deontological? Is that a possibility? Does that exist as a school of thought? Um, honestly, I'd, I'd, I'm not sure we can, or I wouldn't say we, I can comment on that. I don't know. I don't know, like, what Kant's... Oh, like, what do you, like, how would you interpret that? I don't, I'm trying to think it out in my head right now. Like, what would I'm you saying have is, like a... it, it might be, um, it might not be deontology at that point, right? So it's not, it's just a... The way we're interpreting it, it, it's there's no such thing as you know. Um, it's kind of like, can you be like a light slave owner? <laughs> like, I mean, you're not. A you slave can owner. be hyper specific in terms of thou shall not. Like, if you're thinking of a classic deontological, um, thou shall not lie. Thou shall not like like or a document, the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not kill, but then. Legally, since, I mean, there's been a lot more before then, uh, like more commandments and more structures then, but uh, at least uh, in our society right now, legally since then, we've kind of expanded and looked at all the hyper-specific cases where definitely no, you I, can argue that it is wrong to kill in these very specific cases. No, I, I, yeah, I definitely don't... Um. I think there's a difference between some sort of, uh, I don't want to say theoretical, that's too like simple, but there's a difference between these types of thought experiments and um, perhaps laws. And it's easy to mix those two, right? Like it's easy to mix, and maybe what I'm saying about like how would you run society is not a good way of saying it because then you start immediately thinking of like how, what policies would we enact? Right, uh, and that's maybe not the best way of thinking about it because I don't know. Like I, you, we've both been listening to a lot of Harari, Yuval Noah Harari lately, and like a lot of his main history, um, this thesis about history is a lot about based on stories, right, and how people create these fictions. Uh, but the, it's, they're not fictions necessarily in a bad sense. They're fictions, they're the fictions that have made humans the dominant species on a planet and, and given us a lot of good things. Some examples are nation states, money, human rights, human rights, which is what you're talking about, right? Deontology. So, so you're saying like we've created these, but they're still fictions at the end of the day in some sense. So whether the thing that we believe in them and I think it comes down to like yes, it, it's we've there's we've agreed on that this is something that makes sense and makes a better society. Whether I feel like there are things you can um, say that is absolute, I don't know. I mean, it's Sam Harris talks about this in, in like um, moral landscape where he says, well, the thing you can say is definitely the worst thing ever would be for everyone to be suffering. Mm-hmm. So if that's absolute, 
then let's move on from there. There must be something, if, if one person's suffering slightly less or one sentient thing's suffering slightly less, then that's clearly better. Is that not? And what, how could you possibly say that that's worse? And then people will, I think the only way you end up playing like word games because you're like, well, what if you're a masochist and you love suffering? And like, like, but then that's not really suffering because you love suffering. And it's like, so it's almost like, is it a circular definition at that point? Like, is all deontology just circular definitions? I don't think it's so much to say that it becomes a game of semantics because you can still, in that universe of completely suffering beings, it can still exist, like, goodness and happiness or lack of suffering can still exist whether they are aware of that or not is irrelevant to whatever moves them towards or away from that state of suffering. So the state of suffering, you know, it's definitely dichotomous to a state of non-suffering, a state of happiness, well-being, or anything just a little less toward, little less than that absolute consistent state. So you could, it's not... It's not to say that whether you enjoy it or not, whether you um, are just categorizing suffering as uh, the normal state, uh, it, it definitely is in contrast to a better state. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so again, also to use our favorite verbs, you snuck in. Uh, like I think there were just the word better, right, is easy to just say, but it's very hard to then explain why one state is better than something else without going back to the definition of saying, well, like, oh, well, of course suffering is bad. Yeah, because suffering, you could literally define as suffering as a state you do not want to be in. So, but then you just, you just snuck, you put the deontology into the definition, right? And then you're like, well, why would... Let's, let's define it with human beings or sentient biological. Well, okay, I, I don't know. I think this is too. It's getting too in the weeds now. In terms of like, um, I, I still want to think. I'm inclined to think about it from like a societal perspective. Um, in terms of, like we we talked about charity, right? And and we talked about uh, effective altruism and compassion versus uh, empathy, right? Mm-hmm. And all of those arguments are not saying, "Hey, look, Kant said that," or whatever. Like, there's rel- they're basically just saying, "Listen, in practice, okay, forget all the other philosophy. In practice, what can we do to make things better?" Right? Like, so the effective altruism argument is that you, it's you just need to be very proactive about um, how. I don't know if this is a good summary, but one of the main points is like let's let's set aside like actual money to um, donate to causes that we know are good or charities that we know are good, right? And actually do that in practice instead of debating about like you know what does it mean to help someone? What does it mean to live a good life? Like fuck that! Like put your money where your mouth is and and then figure out all your definitions later. Right. I mean that goes. Back to the initial question of, you know, do we have that responsibility to the fellow being, fellow men and fellow um, human beings to, you know, 
increase their well-being. And but to see, answer it simply is yes. And I don't know. I, I don't know if you can say like I, I still feel like that's too grand of a statement because it's it's kind of like imposing something. I think I would. I don't know. Maybe I'm like a P-U-S-S-Y in that sense in terms of like I don't want to make that statement. I just want to say for me, the society in which uh, people do that is the society I want to live in. So therefore, I... So it's an, you, you're, you're saying that we should do this for the sake of not a current responsibility but something that... Um, because if you don't do it, other people won't do it. And then, is that the place you want to live in? I'm right. not saying you should do it. I mean, because should implies like, I don't know, it's it's like such a, it's such a definite 100% thing that, to me, it just feels icky. Well, like part of what you're saying in uh, Effective Altruism is trying to get rid of, or trying to at least narrow the um, discussion to a, a, a boiling point where you at some point have to do something. And that's part of what I was getting into with my last post. Of, I forgot what the exact term I used for it was, but there's some long-winded thing because I didn't know how to make it into a, a marketable term. But I think I said the time-sensitive, arbitrary deadline decision-making rule. So you... Part of the problem, usually, and this is what I, I think led me to this, wanting to write about this uh, topic, was uh, for a few years I had been thinking about charity, and it kind of came from the first post that you, you wrote about, you know, why am I spending money on X, Y, and Z, or why am I devoting my time to do work on passion projects when I could just work uh, or like become a dentist or go in finance or do whatever means possible to make a lot of money to then give back uh to charity and to help kids and to increase the number of people that would be helping out. And I kind of got in this whole discussion point at different points in my life and it'd just be this meta-analysis that would keep going on about like, okay, do you have like the same kind of questions that we kind of highlighted right now? Should I, do I have this responsibility to, what's the right balance of self-sacrifice to okay. that? And then the answer to me, at least from our discussion was similar to what you're saying is that you have this analysis at some point it has to give you give yourself a week uh, or a day and you you know make a pros and cons list of either sides the philosophy right. of both uh, philosophies of other people who have come up with it and then you make a decision on it because there isn't I think fundamentally I mean I was kind of playing devil's advocate in the beginning fundamentally I don't think there is any uh, actual clear concrete physical real rules of morality well of like it's a fit like just like we were talking about with Yuval Harari like it's a it's a fiction we create to create a better society and a better living environment selfishly that we want to be in uh, and, and, and it also, works and also the other thing is I think there's um there's an element here that it might be hard to verbalize. It might be hard to put into words certain things that you feel, which is almost like a – it's such a hand-wavy thing to say. But um, I remember reading some study about how uh, like kids from a very young age understand the um, concept of like fairness, right? And even like monkeys and stuff like that. And often 
um, but they won't be able to verbalize things. They'll just like, no, this is unfair. What does it mean to be unfair, right? And it's so a lot of this morality, um, I think, and, and we get caught up, I think, in these games of just trying to like put into words things that we feel. But at the end of the day, like, say there was no money, how would you help people? You would like, you know, to take that kid example. If someone's um, drowning, you go out and you try to help them any way you can. Um, and so the further removed you are from there, the, the easier it is to start like removing all those feelings, which is why I don't like this idea of compassion, empathy. I sort of try to get away in that post is like, if you remove all the feeling from it, it somehow feels empty, right? Because at the end of the day, if, if we remove all these fictions, what are you doing? You're literally just giving food to people, right? Like you're cooking for people. You're you're saving them from, uh, you know, you're putting clothes on them or something. And that is just like an in the moment, it's a meditative thing, right? You, you remove all the thinking and you're just like, I'm in the moment. This is what you have these like emotions that have been evolved over millions of years that whatever, for whatever reason, preserve the species. And that's what you think is good. And the moment you're removed from that, I think it's so easy to start like adding on all these layers that at the end of the day, you can just think of it as like, I'm just going to do what I would do normally. It's just I, I can't go out and f- cook for hundreds of people. So I'm just going to do it with the money stuff or whatever. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I think I think that feeling needs to be a, a, a definitely there. Otherwise, it's that you start thinking about what should one do. Fuck what one should do. Do you feel like you should help people? If you don't, then don't. Not at this point. If you do, then then do it. And try to figure out the best way to do it. So I would push back a little bit on that because there are lots of biases yeah. that you have built in evolutionarily that aren't relevant to the ethics of today. The ethics of where we grew up on that time scale was that of living in you know, roughly 150 like 200, I don't know the exact numbers, but a much smaller number of people that you were in your local kinship and further tier groups. So you would have a lot more uh, feelings and like feelings of charity in what felt right and what felt that that made sense that you didn't need to verbalize for people who were locally present. But now things have changed, right? And there's definitely a sense of graduation that I think rational thought and the current, like given the current circumstances of our world, the fact that we do have uh, an international currency, the fact that we do have, you know, airplanes and you can't argue at least, I mean, if you want to have that argument, we could. But for me, when I've had that argument in my mind, there is no difference of a, a child one foot away versus that of 10 feet away versus that of a thousand miles away. So it, you do have to adjust and try to maximize your, I guess, your selfish and your um, maximize your uh, feelings interests with that of rational and more like like i say crass but more um optimal 
very calculative thinking because it should feel good, yes, and you shouldn't take away from that. And I think I don't think it has to feel good. I wouldn't use the word good. It's because you can feel like you need to do something without it feeling good. Like I think that word good attaches certain things to it that is unnecessary. You feel like you want to do it, whether it's good or bad, who knows. Um, right. And uh, because good then like, feeling good, I think it then goes into all this, like the stuff that you were talking about at the beginning about like hedonistic things. And, so I, I say feel good as in you, you want to, and this is part of, I guess the pushback that uh, but I, Paul Bloom had about empathy um, you want to scale well it, it doesn't scale well and usually um, empathy comes from a very like when you're helping somebody who is in such impoverished situations and doesn't have food or you know is diseased and you feel such a gravity of emotions and not positive ones and it's more of an allevi- alleviation as opposed to it feeling good. Uh, naturally, what I think what compassion kind of gives you. So it's kind of arguing for that. But I think the idea is at least to try and capture where we came from, capture what our natural, whether logical or illogical tendencies are from our you know pre-existing DNA as human beings but then combine that with some rational reasoning with the ideas of what kind of society do we want to live in? And keeping in mind, at least for me, I don't think there is any like fundamental concrete rules uh, of you know, absolute deontological, like thou shall not do this in this exact situation and the blah, blah, blah. It doesn't like, you know, um, you're you. Yuval Noah Harari said about fictions like they they aren't tangibly real like in terms of matter in terms of the physical space of the universe they're useful they have constructed our entire um, you know societies and beings and all the knowledge that we've gained and uh, all the pleasures and all the romance and the art everything is in constructed in those worlds. But yeah, I, I, it, it's finding that balance between those worlds. I think is at least what I I concluded um, from from the post that we discussed. Yeah, I, like I like that idea of having like your feelings are sort of the course map, right? Like it's it's the compass that gives you the general direction, and then you you use your sort of the rational thought to map out a more specific path that gets you into that direction, right? Or like that gets you the most effective way to the point you want to go. So you feel like you want to help people and then you think about, okay, in, you know, how do I actually do this? How do I get altruism effectively? How do, how do I perform altruism effectively? Which makes sense. That all makes sense. I think the, the thing, the, my pushback against Bloom was that just com- and he would probably de- probably just say that I'm mischaracterizing the argument um, in the sense that I I don't I think there can't be a complete lack of feeling right like you say like oh well you don't want too much empathy because you see so much sadness and overwhelms you and you end up feeling powerless and you don't do anything 
But then on the other high end of the spectrum, it's also, I don't think, good. Because you then, it's it's like what I talked about in terms of you set like some automated deposit, right? Like of 200 bucks or whatever. Like you, you just set it and forget it. Is that love of mankind? I don't think that is either. So you can't be overwhelmed, but you also can't just do the action just because um, it's like you know on your checklist of things to be a good person. Like there needs to be feeling involved, right? So yeah, there's some D word in there where you you need. I think that at least to me, when I look at a person and someone can tell me they donated a bunch of money, but I don't. The the thing that really makes me f- appreciate them or like wow they're doing great work is not just that they're like writing checks to p- things it's more so like a you know it's 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 compassion uh, sorry it's well now I'm seeing I'm using both words interchangeably but it's it's empathy as well it's like you, you, there's something to seeing a person being moved by something that is is different than just seeing a person saying. I'm writing a check for something. But you need both, obviously. So that's... So I think a a couple of clarifications are important. So he differentiates between... uh, And, you know, people use empathy and compassion regularly in different ways when we're talking in day-to-day speech. But I guess in these specific arguments, in these specific terms... Uh, He differentiates empathy on two levels. So there is cognitive empathy, which is intellectually recognizing what somebody may be going through, the circumstances of how bad or good or whatever the uh, adjective you're going to use to describe their situation. Uh, But differentiating that from empathy on an emotional level, so emotional empathy, like actually trying to viscerally live through what they're going through. And why um, one is even specifically better, specifically more well-received, even just for me, like thinking about people who I talk to uh, and when I'm going through a hard time or there's a specific problem and somebody responds to me with emotional empathy, usually feels and this is just my personal experience it usually feels um like it comes from a good place but it's typically not what i want to hear i i I would love for uh, either a receptive ear and somebody kind of to understand in their own words what kind of um what kind of interpretation of their experiences and have like a a discussion over it because it feels more um it it kind of turns back the page around them and i'm kind of digressing but the other limit with emotional empathy that is important is that it's very uh limiting to people that you can relate to so you end up empathizing with people who are you know if you're male you empathize with people who are male or in your society or you know you you somebody from Czechoslovakia or Kazakhstan or you know Philippines wherever in the world who are have a completely social diff, uh, different social backdrop you don't feel that same level and intensity for and with compassion it's not that you're ignoring emotions it's not that you're ignoring it from i think it it becomes different on a day-to-day level um, it's 
that you're you're increasing your capacity to feel uh, the positive parts of generosity and giving and whatnot. So it's not that you're shutting it off at all. Um, and I think there's a slight difference, and there's an important difference in the cognitive versus emotional empathy. Um, and again, the other thing I would say in regards to what you said about uh, who you look at as a good person, uh, somebody that um, has the right intent and has a um, like a, a character that brings why they're doing what they're doing, and it's not an automated just a response. I think that comes from our you know evolutionary tendencies that we had because on a smaller scale, when you have only 200 people in your group, virtues and commandments work out because you don't get into detail specifics and there aren't these weird equations that you have to balance of, you know, does me buying a TV kill like, you know, in terms of opportunity cost, or kill not save, or yeah. not or whatever, um, you know, if you, you turn some expected value uh, type of equation into it you know, not save a bunch of lives somewhere else in the world. So it's that tendency that you have. So I think it's important to someone embrace that. And how you do it is interesting. That's, that's what I've been trying to tackle. Like that's what the tool was there for me to try and tackle that. So decide, okay. And I haven't done it yet um, to decide, you know, I have a week to think about how do I want to, um, contribute to charity uh, whatever months from now whenever I have the economic feasibility to do so to, you know look at my finances uh, think about all the philosophy and the the moral positions research the charities do all of that you have one week and at the end of that week you have to make a decision and you have to stick to it and you have to be kind of turn your blinders on that you you've trusted this process for a week and there isn't this perfect kind of utopic world. And that's the other thing I was going to bring up. It's good that I just remembered. Um, is that of expectations um, of what you expect. And probably kind of loops back to uh, what you were talking about in the beginning. Of what society you should or want to live in. And base your decisions on that. But anyways. Um, that arbitrary tool to kind of answer that question. Um, so I, I would ask you. What do you see yourself donating to or your relationship with charity based on just, I mean, what we talked about and uh, yeah, so we discuss right now? The thing with that one week timeline, and this goes back to the thorough idea about why philanthropy might be it's a limiting set like a limiting lens onto which through which um, to view like helping humanity is that you're almost saying I have one week and I'm going to put money somewhere or maybe dedicate like whatever one day some time to help a charity but that almost seems so – why is it so local, so low level? Why not think about how do I structure my life such that I maximize my – like the, the benefit I have on humanity? Maybe that's too much. Maybe that's way too – like how, how can you possibly sit down and say that? But it feels like when you, when you limit yourself to just having 
whatever, like 72 hours to think about it, you're going to immediately say, um, let's just put money in a pot somewhere or let's just... Are you though? Well, maybe not. Maybe not. But it, it seems like it's that structure of how you think about helping people is definitely part of the end product. So the, the response of what I'd say to that is where I, the situation I'm in right now is I get into this analysis in my head of what the right answer is, of what charity to donate to, of what perfect world am I creating, and these uh, expectations of, is this the right thing that I'm doing? Should I be doing something else? And it leads to a state, state of inaction. And that's what the last four to five years has been of just being, thinking about it passively, uh, sometimes actively, and then not reaching any conclusion and then moving on with whatever I was doing that day or with, I don't know, procrastinating further. So at some point, whether it's a week or whether it's a month, there is some arbitrariness in... But that's what a, you're helping, or th- what that's you a different do point, though. That's just I agree that you need to make, you need to take steps. So, but, but what I mean is that when you when you limit your, I think you know what I mean, right? Like, is that it's it's not just about a charity. It's not. But just I would about include money. that in there. So I would include that in the process of like, how am I, uh, if I am, you know, if I'm an author, or if I am an artist, or if I'm a dentist, if I'm whatever, how am I contributing? And if that's important to you, like let, like you can answer the answer to the question and be like, it is not important to me. My interest in becoming, uh, you know, the best archer, uh, just because it's a hobby of mine, that's the way I want to live my life. That's fine. That could be your answer. But you know, it's optimizing. Let's say it is you 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 value you know the prospects of uh, human advancements and a, a, you want to live in a better society and you want to make your life in one way or another, uh, or part of it at least, to get closer to that. Uh, It could be a combination of like doing stuff with your career and your selfish interests and that. Or it doesn't necessarily have to be that. That could be part of your balance. That's like part of the, you know, thinking about your finance. Like how do I, you know, optimize that more? Is it better for me to like work on these other projects that will have this balance of that? But at some point, you know, even with, grad school at some point you had to decide where you had to go at some point you have to decide when a person is an adult who knows when is a fetus actually uh, a human being like there are arbitrary points that you you don't know they're in these gray areas and i think this is in of that category um and you have to kind of have some give i agree i agree and i mean that's why i think the effect of altruism is very compelling because you just say you know what here are a bunch of charities that have been vetted by other people. The easiest thing I can do is is donate some amount of money, and that's it. I'm doing a good thing. That doesn't mean I should stop there. I can always. I also can think about other ways in which you know things can benefit humanity for sure. I just there's some part of me that still feels that that's a little. Um, superficial in a sense like I mean you can apply the same argument about like would you want to live in a society in which everyone donates to charity 
And it's like, well, no, you wouldn't, because if everyone's donating to charity, no one's doing anything to help anyone. <laughs> like, you just have a huge sum of, uh, like, virtual currency somewhere that is meaningless because no one's actually, you know, money is just a story. It's, it's, it's actual things that you need to do, right? And so you, you're right. Like, definitely you need to... You need to do stuff. You need to you need to set some limit and just say I'm going to do it. But I I think there is some element of like, say you write a book and that book inspires people and it inspires a hundred people, one of which becomes a billionaire and donates all of his money to charity. That indirect effect, like, how do you know that you do something? You know. So, so spend all your time writing books. Fuck d- donating any money because the amount of money you donate, if you spent, if you just took that time thinking about donating money and wrote something inspiring, which then produced someone who had even more money, your net effect is, or your final, you know, sum effect is much larger. So it's just so hard when you play this type of calculus that sometimes I think you're right. You you need to you need to just take some action. But I don't think you can be dismissive of of maybe what I'm trying to push back is like when people sometimes dismiss um, maybe not Steve Jobs but that type of attitude where you're saying you know what um, I'm going to focus my time on doing something else you can't have that superficial or it's not that you can't have I think it's it's superficial to just say well look you're not donating to charity you must suck it's like no there's there's so many effects there that. It's it's not that easy, but definitely donating to charity. Um, I mean, who's going to argue against donating to charity? It's like the more we talk about it, I'm like, oh. <laughs> like, yeah, just fucking put some money. You know, why why not? What's what's the, the even decision? Like, choose some number, fifty bucks a month. Can you afford it? Probably. Yeah, why not? And just do it. So, I guess a few things I'd say to that. One, I think it's important to calibrate expectations for what not only what the consequences of what you can do and what society uh, like what approach to a utopic style society you want to kind of you want to live in that idea of do my actions contribute to getting closer to that perfect type world which doesn't exist like theoretically it, it's really hard to even construct that world i wouldn't say i wouldn't even use utopia i would just say how would you improve the current sure world? sure but i'm saying i'm, I'm just giving uh, i guess like a more extreme version of it just to make the point that there's just some calibrations of what that will do and the second thing is i think uh ca- the pushback i would have on effective altruism is just that the word pushback i think we've used it like 10 times the Say, my, the pull forward I would have I don't know <laughs> does it make sense you could probably get away with it just say we'll push back pull well you can't pull forward you can yeah, pull on a rope um, so what I would say uh, to effective altruism is back. is pull back <laughs> <laughs> uh, is people should have that thought process before even deciding to donate to charity so that whole analysis isn't about necessarily like for me it became that because that was an important that was an answer to me 
the analysis also goes with is writing a book better than donating to charity that that is included in the analysis like that's part of what you have to realize and then the third thing is how much how accurate that's going to be that's the expectations of the accuracy of your predictions of your karma that you're going to get like your karmic your optimization of your karmic report it's not going to be accurate so maybe you have you know one week every year or one month every year where you you know spend 3 hours aside. I think the important takeaway for me is having the thoughtfulness to do it but not only just to do it but then to get it to come to a certain point where you have action. And then you reflect. It's the same thing that you do with science. Like there is, you know, yes. a reflective peer right. review process of your uh, whatever itemized study that you're having. But eventually you publish it. You eventually you publish it. And then people say, like, oh, that's actually not that good. You do this with yourself sure. to a certain extent. So I think, I think there's a footwear company that you might like. They have the slogan. It's called "Just Do It." <laughs> well, like not just, just just like think about it and just think about it, it for you know some allotment of time that seems reasonable, and then do it. Yeah. Um, so there's I don't know how much you've been following of like online uh, <laughs> uh, like public figure drama, but there's the U of T professor Jordan Peterson who's on Sam Harris. Um, all we do is drop other people's podcasts, by the way, on our own podcast. It's an homage to um, everybody else's. But yeah, anyways, he, he uh, it doesn't really matter why he, or how he's famous, but he has a, a, a little video on YouTube about a message to millennials, how to improve the world. And the gist is you improve the world by making yourself better. Um, because it's so easy to forget, like we are... It's, it's kind of like a meta message, but like we're part of the world, right? So one way of improving the world, and this is why I think talking about utopias is not really interesting in a sense, uh, because th- that implies there's some end goal. And I don't think there is an end goal, but there definitely are things you can do to make the current state better. Um, and one of those things, one of the most concrete things is the thing you have the most direct control over, and that's yourself, right? So you don't, you can't, you can donate money. You can try to make sure the charity is great. But at the end of the day, you don't know what that money is going to be used for. Um, you can write a book and you can hope that that book inspires people, but you can't control that, right? And so if everyone – if you use that same analogy of like what kind of society would you want to live in, you would definitely want to live in a society where everyone thinks about how they can make themselves better because then – like right it's, to a certain extent sure sure i mean it's it's also hand wavy because i mean what if someone just thinks they're like i don't know it's better to put all jews in ghettos and whatever, right but um or like the way they make themselves better is is you don't know that those things align but there there's there's i don't know i th- i think there might be some romanticism that we're injecting here that's a little um it's like global on a scale that is unnecessary. You know, it's it's because we're exposed with the internet and. But all these I don't things. think I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. I think I agree. I agree. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, all of these things are not mutually. Exclusive. To help, so another uh, another thing I would say is specifically with charity. At least my uh, my tackle on it. Charities that I particularly gravitate to, and this is part of the calculus and like the thoughtful, you know, one week and getting into the nitty gritties of what makes sense to me, 
uh, is are charities that not only you know cure a disease and keep a human life alive. That's great. Not you know saying anything against those necessarily, but things that make sense to me are uh, or charities that make sense to me are those that give a person that I would be helping a chance at having first world problems, like a chance at having a good life. Like they, they want, yeah, you but, know, to pursue, but there's lots of charities that are, have great causes. I, I, I agree. There's nothing. I, I just mean like, there's also this element of so, but that's how the, old we are, right? Like we're, we're in our twenties. Is this the time when we should be thinking about, um, th- like donating, when we haven't really, no, but that's not our... the point, though. The the point is that you want them to. You don't want to just save a bunch of lives for the sake of life and just like a number on a sheet. You want to save a bunch of lives so that they can live a fulfilling life. And part of living a fulfilling cool. life is looking to yourself and living your own version of a fulfilling life. But then beyond that, once you do achieve that and find the and like whatever the answer to that is, uh, you know, some so, minimum expectation of like food, uh, a, a place that? to live and whatnot. Then you go beyond that and you find ways. That's for me, at least find ways that you can give that to somebody else. I agree. But we you, step one is not done yet. Like for you. Yeah. And that's that's part of the calculus. Like I don't it's still not I don't think it's it's disconcerted with charity at all. It's just part of your internal calculus. And that it's totally part of mine too. I think that I would argue for definitely taking care of yourself. How can you take care of anybody else if you can't take care of yourself? Why would you want to anyways? Because you want to give them the opportunity to take care of themselves and to be selfish and to you know, have indecision of what food to eat because that's fun. Or like watch a movie to have selfish decisions. But that comes after a point where you can't. And there's a reason why I can't give a lot of money away because I'm still figuring things out for myself. But I know at some point I will hopefully get there and maybe at that point I will be able to you know, probably increase the capacity of what I would be able to, to give and feel the, the benefits of the compassion that you get from it and the happiness that you get from it selfishly too. Yeah, but you know what they say. More money, more problems. <laughs> You're just looking for a way to end this. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. No, I mean, I, I agree to, to an extent with all of this. Of course, you can't just work on yourself and working. I mean, what's wrong with if you, the way you want to improve yourself is by you need to think more about other people. <laughs> and the one but that's, way, but that's, not, that's not necessarily it. I think it could, part of the calculus could be that. I'm going to procrastinate this for 10 years or for five years that I'm not going to do anything because I, for the next five years, I need to focus on, you know, getting through my undergrad or getting whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish or, uh, focus on traveling for a bit or what, whatever the answer to that is. And if at some point it's not, if it's a, like, you never care about donating charity. Sure. Um, but I think the reflection Yes. Is really, really important. I agree. And I think there is, I would argue that there is something if uh, I was to design a school or a, um, what you would teach kids is 
to have that reflection specifically on do you think you need do you think you need to or do you think you should or do you think you want to live in a society where people do care about other people beyond just themselves and beyond what their uh, self-interests are and what their self-interests should be like what is the minimum or a happy medium of happiness and then beyond that yeah. you know look to others and that just uh, uh, the one last point I would add to that is there's not just y- the you specifically like I think you should need to all think think about how you structure a society like the rules of the society so that those things are as easy as possible to do right because sometimes like there's the tendency to like blame individual whatever leaders or political things and and we and sometimes it's nobody's fault right that it's the design it's, of the society exactly right yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just it's certain things are incentivized and blah right yeah. so how do you how do you make sure that that's that's um, as good as you can make it all right look at that we did like an hour after it's because we had so many things to say i didn't even get to one point that i won't say because i'll save it for next one but um so what are we going to do next week we'll find out